Good morning, church. Every now and then, one of the kids will say, uh, Pastor Dwayne, I really love your scarf. And um, so these are called stoles. You might wonder, what, what is that that the clergy occasionally wear? It's a stole, and the stole is a, uh, often a, a reminder of the season we're in. You'll notice they ch- different colors in different seasons. So this is kind of in what we would call ordinary time in the church calendar, and green is the one we wear the most. This one specifically comes from Jerusalem, and I, I wore this one today specifically because We've got a group of about 50 people headed to Jerusalem in a couple days that I'll be leading. And so just ask for your prayers as we walk in that land of the holy land of tension, the holy land of possibilities, the land where Christianity and Judaism, where, where Muslims, where lots of folks find God uniquely present. And then you have all the politics that make it so hard to be Jewish and Christian and Muslim in one space, but it can be done. And so as we go, I just invite you to pray. We'll try to post some stuff on our social media if you're a Facebooker or or Instagrammer. We'll try to give you some of our our journey as we experience God on the journey. So feel free, watch us on Cathedral of the Rockies on either of those things. So welcome, welcome into the space. A Barna survey recently came out and it stated this, that 75% of Americans agree, if you can imagine, 75% of Americans agree and believe that to restore peace and unity, we need leaders to model kindness and understanding, even with the people with which they strongly disagree. Leaders must show the way forward. For this month of October, we have been living in the echo of this beautiful text of Micah 6.8 because in a time of political polarization, rising societal anger, in the midst of war that seems to never end, pandemics, hurricanes, we hunger for a different world. And we hunger for a different way to relate with each other. So we've dedicated this month to focus on Micah 6-8, and we've called it the B Campaign, and we're joining churches, Methodist churches and Episcopal churches across the country that have said, what would happen if before the political campaign totally gets here, what if the church had a campaign to say, be just, be kind, be humble? Might it help us walk through the landmines? during the weeks of the political campaign. Let's look at the text, Micah 6, 8 from the Hebrew text, the Old Testament, it's up on the screen. Read these holy words out loud with me. God has told you, mortal one, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. If we're honest, though, and we, church is a good place for confession, if we confess we followers of Jesus, we're a bit double-minded. We love the bumper sticker, be just, be kind, be humble. We love that moment. But deep down, deep down we tend to believe that really it's, it's politics that's the power of the state. Deep down, we believe it's the military that's the power. It's the market that's the power. And that's the only way the world will ever change. 
It's become hard to distinguish between what's American and what's Christian. I mean, in the last several years, the Christian relation to the state has become dubious at best. And if we're honest, the last few wars, Iraq and Afghanistan, they were led by professing Christians in our country. Christian nationalists look beyond the national sins and wave the flag as we kill others, ignore poverty, speak of morality while promoting immoral leadership at the top. What do we do when politics and religion meet? Some of you would say they should never meet. What do we do when politics and religion meet? I love Tony Campala. Tony has spoken here in our church. He's a, he's a professor, a retired professor now at, in uh, Pennsylvania. And he says this, mixing church and state is like mixing ice cream and cow manure. It may not do much to the manure, but it sure messes up the ice cream. (laughs) So that might be exactly where you are. Don't put these two together, you might be thinking. So let's go back to the beginning. Polis, politics, comes from the Greek word polis, meaning the affairs of the city. Shouldn't a church be concerned about the affairs of the city? Shouldn't the people of God be concerned about the affairs of the city? Go a little further. We're called the ecclesia. That's the word we translate in the church. But the Greek word literally means the called out community. So whenever Rome would conquer an area, Rome would say, we need an ecclesia. We need a called out community to establish the polis, the politics of Rome in this place. So when Jesus created us, he said, I'm creating a called out community, the church, the ecclesia, to establish the politics of God wherever they are. Be just, be kind, be humble. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. put it like this in 1957. There's nothing wrong with a traffic law that says you have to stop for a red light. But when a fire is raging, the fire truck goes right through that red light and normal traffic had better get out of the way. He goes on to say. Or when a man is bleeding to death, the ambulance goes goes through those red lights at top speed. Disinherited people all over the world are bleeding to death from deep social and economic wounds. The need, they need brigades of ambulance drivers who will have to ignore the red lights of the present system until the emergency is solved. Massive civil disobedience is a strategy for social change which at least, is at least as forceful as an ambulance with its siren on. Now again, <laughs> When politics and religion collide, most of us get very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. The prophet Micah, this bumper sticker we've been talking about, right? Be, be just, be kind, be humble. We love that word, but you know, when it was first shared, people didn't celebrate. Their response was, who do you think you are? to say that to us. We grab it as if it's what we're already doing. 
could it be we've not even begun? Micah enters into the politics of his day. And the word of God has always been political. But it should never be partisan. Next time somebody says these shouldn't meet, you say, no, the word of God has always been political. Why do you think Jesus was crucified? For the politics of God. But it should never be partisan. God is not a Democrat. Hope that's not shocking. God's not Republican. God's not even independent or libertarian, Idaho. But God is political. God cares about the people in the city. God's politics always remind us of the people that our politics often leave behind, like the poor, the vulnerable, the immigrant, Jim Wallace, a Baptist pastor, writes in his book, when the right get it wrong and the left doesn't get it, God's politics, he writes, the best contribution of religion is precisely not to be ideologically predictable nor loyally partisan. Both parties and the nation must, be, must let the prophetic voice of religion be heard. Faith must be free to challenge both the right and the left. So here's the thesis of the sermon. We're called to be a fire truck. We are called to respond to the emergency needs of our world. We're called to ask our city, our nation, our church to be just and to be kind and to be humble. Now again, I, it's awful quiet in here today. <laughs> which means it's uncomfortable. Our United Methodist church website. I mean, if you've been Methodist, whenever Methodists say to me, pastor, we shouldn't be political. I think, are you Methodist? <laughs> did, you, did you grow up Methodist? I mean, on our general church website, you will find this. The church and politics overlap. And you'll find these words. The people called Methodists have actively been involved in social and political matters from their founding in the 18th century England. Methodists were among the primary advocates for the abolition of slavery across the British Empire, the organization of labor unions to protect workers from dangerous working conditions, the ending of debtor's prison, and the creation of new systems of care for the poor children. We are the fire truck coming into the world going, there has to be another way. Be just, be kind, be humble. It goes on to say, given this heritage, Methodists have continued to advocate for other social and political issues since that time. So here's my question. Are you willing to be part of a church that has a prophetic voice? Are you willing to thrive in a place that talks about the issues of the day? Can you live in the tension of difference, discovery, and discussion or must you join a church where everyone thinks alike, talks alike, looks alike? It's what we used to do. It's what we used to do when we would move to this country from Germany, we would look for the German Methodist Church so we could speak German and eat sauerkraut and have German beer. 
If we were English, we looked for the Methodist church, the English-speaking Methodist church, so we could eat sauerkraut (laughs) and drink bad beer. (laughs) Now, the question is, can can you live in the tension of discussion? The tension of discovery? Can you live in the tension of difference? I mean, just recently, this is, I'm off script now, we're in trouble. Just recently, a number of folks said to me, I cannot attend a church that's going to talk about abortion with any word pro in it. And they said, Dwayne, we love you, but we can't stay. And I said, is this the first? I've been here 11 years. Is this the first time you've disagreed with me? I mean, if it is, you're not paying attention. You should normally disagree with what's being preached because often what's being preached is prophetic and it's challenging even the preacher to try to live their faith in a new way. Because here's the truth. I think I'm just. I think I'm kind. I think I'm humble. And into my life, a fire truck is coming saying, look at your life, Dwayne. Are you just? (laughs) Are you humble? Are you kind? If you have to be in a church where everything's, I would tell you that's playing church. And that we are called to be a church that wrestles with the hard stuff. And sometimes that means, daggone it, we disagree. But God's bigger. Kathy and I have been married 34 years, 35 this May. If I left the first day we disagreed, we, we wouldn't have made it to the honeymoon. I mean, that's true, right? I mean, those of you in relationship, you understand that. If you left the person you loved because you disagreed, you wouldn't make it to lunchtime. Why do we stay? Because love is bigger. All right, back on script. (laughs) Now, let's be clear. A prophetic voice is challenging. And there are times the prophetic voice of the scripture makes everybody uncomfortable. And the people in Micah's day had to receive his words. You hate justice. You twist all that's right, Micah said in chapter 3. You're building Jerusalem on a foundation of murder and corruption. Your rulers make decisions based on bribes. Your priests teach God's law only for a price. Your prophets won't even prophesy unless they're paid. Do you think they all went, yep, that's true, that's true, yep, that's true. No, they went, who, who are you to say that to us? The gospel always comforts the afflicted. And it always afflicts the comfortable. Richard Holloway, who's a former bishop of Edinburgh, and um, I don't know if you know that name, uh, Bishop Ho- Richard Holloway, He has often been a siren in my life. He wrote this, most of us have minds that are too narrow to embrace the whole range of truth. So we claim infallibility for our sect and we excommunicate the others. He goes, one of my favorite quotes of his is, we always crucify that which we don't understand. Jesus. So we end up qualifying our faith. 
I mean, we kind of, so to kind of save face in this kind of tension of the world, we go, no, 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 I'm a conservative Christian. No, 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 I'm a liberal Christian. No, I'm a moderate Christian. No, I'm a, I'm a Cathedral of the Rockies Christian. And we try to say, I'm different than them, but I, I, like, a, like a fire truck through the red light, I want to ask the question, if you have to say I'm a liberal Christian, I'm a conservative Christian, are we not filtering the gospel through a lens which only allows in the things that fit our title? If I'm a liberal Christian, then I only let that liberal stuff in. And if I'm a conservative Christian, I only let that conservative stuff in because it makes me go, yep, I am just, I am kind, and I am humble. Could it be if we said, I'm a Christian, we have to let it all in and we have to, we have to wrestle? It's interesting to me that one of the first churches mentioned in the Bible, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16, if you want to look it up later, Acts chapter 16, we're in Philippi. Acts is about the church being born, and the very first church listed in the Bible, the first member of the church is a woman named Lydia. Very interesting. There's a whole sermon there. The first member of the church is a woman named Lydia. She's a powerful woman. Yeah, you can celebrate that. That's all right, 2,000 years later, right? She's a powerful woman. She's, she's an entrepreneur. She, she's a purveyor of fine clothing, a seller of purple. I mean, we know some things about her. She's got means, and she joins this movement called Christianity. The very second person that joins is a slave girl, someone with no power. A slave girl, we would say someone who's been trafficked. Others took her life from her and made her perform in ways that benefited them. But she gets freed. And the slave girl joins the church. The third member of the church is a jailer. Someone who works for the jail. He works specifically for the jail that has imprisoned followers of Jesus for speaking the gospel. But then he has a holy experience of the presence of God and he becomes a follower. So think about this, the early church, the first church in Philippi, a rich woman, a slave woman, and a jailer. Do you think they held a lot of stuff in common? Do you think their political worldview was the same? Do you think they even saw God the same? But that's the beginning of the church and I think it's recorded to remind us there's beauty in our differences. Jeremiah Burroughs, who lived in the 1600s, has this wonderful quote. He says, difference of belief and unity of believers is not inconsistent. We can be unified even if we disagree, he's saying. Why? Because our unity is Jesus. I might vote left, you might vote right, you might not vote at all. We, our unity is Jesus. Recently, I read, reread the story of Robert Carter. He's a historical American figure born in 1728, one of the founding members of the American colonial aristocracy. He was a neighbor to George Washington, a friend of Thomas Jefferson and Patrick Henry. He and other members of, were members of the revolutionary elite, but there was one difference. Robert Carter was the richest one in the room. 
He held more slaves than George Washington and Thomas Jefferson combined. He, he had a huge family, 15 children. He owned a textile factory, 20 plantations, a commercial bakery, a share of the Baltimore Ironworks, and 500 slaves. Like Washington and Jefferson, he believed in God. He was a deist. But then in 1777, when he was 49 years old, suffering from illness, he experienced what he called an illumination. The light came on. And he began to have a quest to hear the truth of God. He, he searched throughout the Northeast to listen, and listened to Methodist pastors and Baptist pastors and Presbyterian preachers. And in 1778, he wrote to Thomas Jefferson, I do testify that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was converted. A fire truck had come into his life. And he discovered the politic of God and he understood that religion isn't compartmentalized. It's all of life. That's why church must impact the issues of the day. So regarding his slaves, he noticed they worshiped Jesus like he did. And he was convinced of their humanness. On September 5th, 1791, Carter put into actions what the signers of the Declaration of Independence only wrote about. He created a deed of gift. He freed every slave he owned, some 500. The largest emancipation of slaves before the Emancipation Act took place. He freed them, he gave them housing, and he helped them transition to freedom. Thomas Jefferson and other signers of the Declaration of Independence objected to this action, saying it was too subversive. It was too political. But I think Robert Carter showed what it means to really live the politic of God. Be just. Be kind. Be humble. Sometimes like a fire truck into the conversation. So how do we live this way? Here's our action steps. Will you pledge to strive to follow Micah 6, 8 in all aspects of your life? Be just, be kind, be humble. Will you pledge to do that? That means we'll act justly and we'll pursue justice by standing with and speaking out for those who are vulnerable, mistreated, or exploited. So here's a question, Idaho. We're living in the biggest surpluses ever in our state's history. Why are we taxing food? Maybe it's time. Maybe it's time the church says, come on, Butch. Let's, let's do the right thing. And let's free people who are living on the edge. You say, ooh, that felt political. Gospel is political. And we would say it to whether there was a Democrat, Independent, or Republican in the seat. It's not about who, what party they are. It's about being just, being kind, and being humble. Will we practice kindness and mercy in every interaction, with, even with those we disagree? Daggone, that's hard. That's hard. I don't know if people disagree with you, but they disagree with me a lot. I call that Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Will we act with humility, surrendering our will to God's will and acknowledge that we may not always be right? 
and that we should listen more and speak less. And will we seek to inspire others to join us and to do the same? How do you do that? You might say, hey, uh, there's this little church downtown that's kind of like a running a red light. It's like a fire truck. And we would love for you to come join us because the calls keep coming in and we need to keep going out. The other action is, I want to just, I've said to you for two weeks, I, we really need to raise our, our kindness experience, our hospitality quotient as a church, which means we need more folks that will say, I'll greet, I'll be an usher. We need more folks that say, hey, I want to sing on the worship team. We need more folks that say, I would love to learn to do the media stuff and help the teams in the back. Even if you're watching from Ohio or Washington State or Boise, you're at St. Pajamas this morning and you're watching, you can be a part of this. Just send me an email at pastor at Boise FUMC. We'll help you figure out how to connect and how to use your gifts to be the church. Let's pray. God, thank you for the prophet Micah, his willingness to be a fire truck in our lives and to ask the question, are you, O oh human, really doing what the Lord requires of you but to be just, be kind, and be humble? God, we um, humble ourselves enough to listen to the siren in our life for we hunger to follow you in new ways. We pray this in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you.